Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. All right, so like I said, we are in the series uh, Playmakers. Now, I have to go ahead and say, who watched some college football this weekend? Yeah, yeah, go dogs, right? Amen, amen, we prayed for that one, right? You don't, don't bark, but um, I, we want to talk a little bit today about playmakers, and we're going to be doing that for the next few weeks. So, so what is a playmaker? A playmaker is, it's that guy that when, when the game's on the line, you want to have the ball in their hands, right? That's a playmaker. Um, a playmaker, uh, to kind of reach back into UGA's history, okay? I'm sorry if there's any Tech fans here. I, I don't talk about Georgia Tech, but if there's some Georgia fans here, a playmaker is somebody like we mentioned a lot, like a uh, Herschel Walker, right? Or if you watched the game yesterday, uh, a Nick Chubb, right? You give the guy the ball on the two-yard line because you know nothing is going to stop him from scoring. That's a playmaker. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, before we do that, though, I just got a question for you. Uh, who in here has ever made a mistake? All right, some of us got both hands up. Some of us got a foot, whatever. So uh, somebody got elbowed and said, put your hand up. But um, no, uh, so today our title, my message title for today for you is this. It's moving beyond mistakes, moving beyond mistakes. So it's a simple title, uh, I think, with a big meaning. And today in our message, we're going to be reaching back into the Old Testament, and we're going to be talking about somebody um, who had a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, um, in their past. Um, and I want to share with you today three important things from that person's life. Okay, three things that I believe we, if we apply to our lives, will make a big difference and, and, and lead us down the path to becoming uh, a playmaker. And so this person definitely was. But before we do that, uh, let me kind of set the stage for you. Before we do that, let me set the stage, kind of paint you a word picture. Um, in the book of Exodus, toward, uh, in the book of Exodus, we, we have the big... Uh, uh, Exodus from Egypt, where they're, uh, the, 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 the nation of Israel is leaving. Moses is leading them uh, through the power of God and the direction of God. He's leading them out of slavery into the promised land, okay? So that's, that's, where, uh, that's where toward the end right there they get to, uh, I guess you'd say that's the red zone uh, for a football reference. They get in the red zone and God's like, okay, Moses, you got to check out. I'm going to use your, your, your right-hand man, and he's going to take on uh, the, the responsibilities of leading this nation where you left off. So that's what we're going to pick up. So here we see God speaking uh, to a young man named Joshua. Uh, well, God speaking to Joshua, and Joshua's going to be leading the people from here on out. Now, I want to tell you, that's where we're going to spend all of our time today is in the book of Joshua, or most of it anyway. And uh, Joshua is exciting. Like, if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, Joshua is the biblical version, minus like the weird creatures, but Joshua is the biblical version uh, because there's conquest, there's war, there's excitement, there's adventure. The book of Joshua is filled with it. And if you've never just really sat down and read the entire book, I want to encourage you to do that. But that's where we're going to pick up in chapter one. This is God speaking to Joshua in the Old Testament. 
God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. By the way, this promise is a 500-year-old promise at this time. Uh, Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon. Will not fail or abandon you. So here we see, here we see Joshua. Uh, he's, he's a new leader uh, with an entire nation essentially on his shoulders under the leadership and guidance of God. And he's saying, okay, so you're going to go and conquer the land. Now, this is kind of his first day on the job. That's a big task, right? He's going to conquer a country. And this, this is day one. I mean, that is on the job training at its best. So this is where we pick up though, Joshua 2. So we're going to spend time in Joshua 2 today. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Now, I I know several people have heard uh, about the city of Jericho and and what will happen there uh, or what would happen there. But for anybody that doesn't, okay, I want you to imagine... uh, like, like a movie or, or a picture or a painting of like a king's castle, right? With huge thick walls, okay? All the way around it. Um, and just kind of think about that. The walls were several, several feet thick and higher than any man could climb or jump. I mean, it, the place is huge, but it's not just the castle that's inside the walls. The entire city is inside the walls. The entire nation of Jerusalem, you know, we call it the city, but, or, or not Jerusalem, Jericho, uh, the entire nation, which was kind of ruled by a local king, is inside the walls. And I mean, it just looks impenetrable. So to Joshua, it probably looks like, God, I'm just going to go with it. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen here. Th- this is a big task for Joshua. So he sends these spies in. So we're going to continue. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Usually when you tell a story that begins with two men are going to do something for God, they don't end up in the house of a prostitute, right? You would hope so, or you hope not. You definitely don't want, that's not where you would want to send your people. I mean, now if they're going on a mission, yeah, you know, but, but that's not what was going on here. They're going to spy out the land and they end up there, okay? They end up in her house. Now scholars believe that Rahab's house would have been built into the wall, okay? like literally built into the wall. And uh, so there would have been like a window or something. It would have been a very guarded window, but a window nonetheless. And so this is probably the first place that the spies, uh, that, that the spies made it to or very close to the entry point that they had into the city. Picking back up here, but someone, I just want to stop. Go ahead and circle, but someone for me. We're going to come back to that in a second. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Let me ask you something. Has anybody ever had a really good day going or a really good plan or a project going, but someone screwed it up? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all might have had that happen like on the way to church this morning, but I'm not getting there. But look... It's, it's like you had everything going on. Here, here's a good example. For, for, since we're talking about football, it's like 
it, it's like if maybe you're an NFL team that's based in Atlanta, maybe, and you're up by 28 points in the Super Bowl. But someone, is that too soon? Look, the Bulldogs won yesterday. We got reason to be excited. We can move past the Super Bowl. So listen, um, but someone, we've all had something going on in our lives, but someone, okay? And if you haven't, maybe you are, but someone, right? Don't elbow, don't, don't recommend it. Let's pick back up. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at, dawn, at, at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Okay, so Rahab's kind of playing a part there, okay? But this is where Rahab's kind of starting her journey toward the field, right? She, she's going toward where she's going to make the big play. And we're going to see, uh, uh, and like I said, I want to share with you three big things from Rahab's life as a playmaker. The first one is this, if you'd write it down, God will go before me. God will go before me. That's number one. All right, so Joshua 2, uh, verses 9 through 10. Joshua 2, 9 through 10. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people, get this, you completely destroyed. Do you see how fast that news traveled? Did you, did you catch that? They didn't even have Twitter, Instagram, none of that back then. And the news was already on the other side of the river inside this kingdom. And she didn't say just she was afraid. She said, we are all afraid. Everyone is afraid of you. Here's, here's kind of the kicker on that, okay? Um, most of us in here today, in September of 1977, there is nothing that you are afraid of today that happened in September of 1977, right? The day that Rahab is saying this to the spies, the things that she's afraid of happened 40 years ago. In Rahab's profession, it's very likely she was not even alive when the stuff happened, and she is afraid. She's afraid of something that happened that far in the past. Everybody in the places, and here's why. So God knew that his pe what his people would encounter in the promised land, and he sent his provision in the form of, of news of what had happened. He sent his provision before they even started heading that direction. Let me ask you something. Most of us are going to be off work tomorrow. Uh, I, I hope, I hope we all are, but uh, for, the, for the holiday, but for those of us who are going into work Tuesday, wouldn't it be pretty cool if the problem you've been thinking about that you got to deal with Tuesday morning was solved before you got there? That would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. But, but so God knew, and, and to go back into football, go back into football, you know, you know the, the blockers that go ahead of the running back and clear the way? That's what God did. In a, in a metaphorical context, that's what God did for the people of uh, the nation of Israel. He sent blockers ahead to clear a path so they could plow right through in the form, again, of fear. We would call that, we would probably call that today fear of God. But they were afraid of a God that they didn't even know yet. All they heard was some stories. And here's the thing. 
we can all be a playmaker if we can get that God, if we can truly get and grasp that God will go before us. We can all be a playmaker. So Rahab continued in verse 12. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. This is an important thing for all of us in here to understand. In that one sentence, in that one sentence, Rahab put not just her entire future, but the entire future of the people she cared the most about in the hands of a God that she did not even know. This is long before Rahab would have converted. She, get this, she put their faith and their entire future hinged on their God, not hers. Their God. Let me ask you something. Long after we're gone, or you know, it doesn't even have to be long after you're gone. Today, this week, this month, this year. Wouldn't it be cool for somebody who does not believe in our God to put their faith in him because of your relationship with him? I know I wish I could say that. I hope that one day people will say that about me. I think we all do. That's a big deal. The God that she doesn't know, doesn't have a relationship. She wasn't a Christian. She, she wasn't even a Jew. It's a big deal. So I'm going to ask you today, I have a next step. Now listen, we believe in taking next steps because it's impossible to follow Jesus standing still. As believers, we follow Christ. We're Christ's followers. So I want to give you a next step. Now listen, don't check this box just because it sounds good. Don't check it just because I'm asking you to. Don't check it if you're not really going to do it. But here's the next step I want to give you. I am going, and by the way, that next step, if you don't know, it's on the back of your connection card. Um, I, w- I want to challenge you to do this. I am going to trust that God has my future in his hands. The second thing, the second thing that I want us to learn from the life of Rahab is this. Number two, God loves the people around him. God loves the people around him. Picking back up in verse 17. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. So in, uh, so in other words, what she's saying is, we're going to hold up our end of a deal, but you've got to play by the rules. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope, so a red rope, uh, hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street, in other words, if they break the rules, if they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. So in other words, that's on you. That's on them. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. Now get this. These next four words are huge. I accept your terms, she replied. Now, when you think about football, especially on the professional level or any sport, they sign big contracts, right? With those four words, Rahab signed a contract. She got her signing bonus right there. So she, she had made her journey to the field. Now she's stepping on the field. She's signing the contract and stepping on the field. At this point, this is where the play begins that ultimately we still talk about Rahab today. So after this, the spies return to Joshua uh, in the Judean wilderness. And 
very soon after this, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, we, we, we uh, children sing the song, you know, uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Get that. This entire city was walled in and the walls came completely down. Now you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, Chris, you said that Rahab's house was built into the wall. So how is she, how is her family okay if, if, if all the walls came tumbling down? Here's something amazing. I love when secular history, uh, so in other words, things outside the Bible, I love when that lines up with what we know from the Bible uh, and, the, and the historical accounts in the Bible. So uh, several years ago, German archaeologists are excavating the remains of Jericho. Here's what they find. Facing what would at the time have been the Judean wilderness, there was one small section of the wall still standing. Okay, that's, remember, she sent them to the Judean wilderness to hide for three days before they went back to Joshua. There was one small place, and it was an eight-foot section of the wall where houses would have been built into the wall. The only thing of the walls of Jericho left standing. Most of Jericho is dust. But that was still standing all those years later. Um, her house stood and thrived for generations. If you're not familiar with it, we're currently uh, in, in a building initiative. We're expanding our facility to better reach our community. And we're doing so to reach the next generation. So, so my son, my, my uh, six-year-old, uh, we're, we're doing that to reach the generation after him, so his kids, and the one after him, or the one after them, uh, so, so my son's grandkids, and on and on and on. Wouldn't you like to know that your house, your spiritual house, is still standing long after everything around it's fallen apart? Two people were excited about that. Don't you want to build a spiritual house that will impact the world for generations to come? I should have said it that way the first time, but that's okay. God used her to help save others. God used her to help save others. And he can use you too. Remember, I said, we can all be playmakers if we'll just understand that, that God goes before us. And I, I would also say that if we say that God, if we understand that God loves the people around us, God used her to help save others and to, 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 to not, just, not just save them, but we're gonna see later in the message how, how what she did would impact the entire world. Um, God did this to keep them safe because they matter. People matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to God's family, amen? Amen. You know, right now you might be thinking that you wish you had some people around you. You know, I, I would say that in order for us to be playmakers in our life, we gotta have teammates. We gotta have other people around us. And if you're saying, you know, well, Chris, my family, uh, we're not close, or maybe you're physically not close, they live somewhere else, and you need to get some right people around you. I wanna challenge you today. There's another next step, and I wanna challenge you uh, to take the next step in getting the right people around you because people matter to God. And I would say the people that we surround ourselves also matter to God. I don't know about you, but when I got serious about my relationship with Jesus, I had to find some new people to get around me, for me to be around, because I needed that influence. I needed that positivity outside of everything else that was in my life. So I'm going to challenge you. Inside your program, there's a catalog. Today we are beginning our SEC fall group signups 
uh, for, for different groups. That's in, that's in your program. So I want to encourage you, take that out, look at it. We literally have a group for everybody. And the next step I want to offer you is sign me up for the blank group. As you look through there, you'll see we have women's groups, we have men's groups, we have dating groups, singles groups, married groups, uh, uh, groups that will get, uh, help you find financial freedom, groups that will help you find spiritual freedom, book groups on, on how to be this, that, or the other, leadership groups, business groups. If you say, well, I don't have time for groups, we got online groups, so you can do it on your lunch break. We literally have done our best to have something for everybody, and I want to encourage you to sign up because groups will fill up. They fill up fast. So Try to look through there and find the groups that, the, the group that might fit you, your schedule and your family. But that's the next step. Sign me up for the blank group. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number three. This is number three. And, and, and this is extremely important for, for us to get. And, and I'm so thankful for this one myself. Number three, God's not afraid of what's behind me. God's not afraid of what's behind me. So in other words, my past. Our past. Do you remember what I said Rahab did for a living? You, you're supposed to say something back. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. And in spite of that, God used her to do amazing things. We don't know what happened in the life of Rahab to, to put her in a situation where she felt like that was the only way she could survive in Jericho. We don't know the circumstances, the, the possible childhood traumas, anything like that. We don't know what led to, to Rahab feeling like that was her only way, her only way out of what she was in. All we really know about Rahab before this is that she was a prostitute. But in spite of that, God used her to do amazing things. Um, now remember, this series is called Playmakers. So let me ask you something. This is another thing you've got to talk back to me. Um, this is another thing where I, I want you to tell me, so what, what, uh, what would a playmaker in, in sports, if they, they, what would they want to ultimately be inducted in as the highest honor once they retire? The Hall of Fame. You think about people like Michael Jordan. I know he didn't play football. Tried to play baseball. That didn't work out. But um, you think about somebody like Michael Jordan who was cut from his high school team that went on to literally redefine the sport of basketball. I don't want to hear nothing about LeBron, okay? But look, I'm sorry, different generations, I know, I know. Look, look, you think about somebody, you want to know how much Michael Jordan uh, not just impacted uh, a sport, but, but like our culture? I guarantee you, okay, I guarantee you that we have a preschooler, okay? It's preschool, wearing Jordans back there right now. And you probably know exactly who I'm talking about because you bought the shoes. <laughs> Not only did you buy the shoes, but you bought a white, a solid white pair of Jordans and put them on a preschooler and didn't expect anything bad to happen, right? <laughs> Michael Jordan redefined so much. Not just the game of basketball, but, but clothing, culture. Even the way we look at athletes. For better or worse, Michael Jordan changed the game. He was a playmaker. In the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the hall of faith. Some of the greatest giants of faith that even today we stand on their shoulders as believers based on the road and we walk down the roads that they have paved for us. Hebrews 11 mentions 
some of the absolute heroes of our faith. Let's read verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab the prostitute made it into the hall of faith, and several people who arguably should have been in there before her aren't in there. Rahab was a playmate. She was a playmaker among playmakers. Uh, also, in James 2, okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus, the Son of God, his half-brother wrote a book in the Bible, and it's called James. Consequently, his name's James. Um, Jesus' brother, James, is talking about Abraham's faith. Okay, Abraham is the father of faith. We call him the father of faith. Speaking back to our preschoolers, some of them are back there, and y'all know the song, right? Father Abraham had many sons, right? Some of y'all, you're welcome. You'll be thinking that the rest of the day, but you'll go home and try to watch football today and be like, oh, Father Abraham, amen. Look, in the same breath, in the same breath that James mentions Abraham, arguably the greatest giant of faith in the entire Old Testament, this is what he concludes with. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away a different road. That's pretty much where the chapter ends. He doesn't, he doesn't mention anybody else, but he mentions Rahab, the prostitute, in the same breath as Abraham, the father of faith. I said this a moment ago, Rahab, un unquestionably, Rahab uh, was a playmaker among playmakers. Rahab gets mentioned in Hebrews and James uh, um, along the most influential people in, in the Christian faith. Uh, did you notice, though, what they still referred to Rahab as? A prostitute. Thank you. Thanks for playing. Uh, a prostitute. Here's the thing. Maybe today you're lugging around your past behind you. You know, and you think, oh, Chris, I just, I got so much baggage in my life. You just don't understand. Look, it, before I completely surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and, and worked into my calling and that sort of thing, before I did all that, I handled more luggage than Delta. So I feel your pain when you say that you got baggage. Rahab had baggage too. I know that sometimes you, you feel like, insert your name here, uh, the drunk, the addict. Uh, um, maybe you feel like the failure, the fraud. Maybe you feel like the, the qualifier, like Rahab was the prostitute. Maybe you feel like everyone, maybe you walked in those doors this morning lugging your baggage behind you with a label and felt like everybody knew. And you felt like that was the only thing people thought about you. Even if it could be your first day here and you felt like people know that about you before you even interact with them. Maybe you're carrying that around. I got to tell you, in my, my, my history, you know, if you've spent much time around our, our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, he can go into a crowd this size and be everybody's best friend. I mean, he, he is such a people person on such a level that, that he does great with, with huge, large crowds. Here's the thing. I'm good in a, in a group of about four or five people, which is ironic because I'm standing up here talking to a much larger crowd than that. Okay. My, my past self, 
the, uh, the businesses I was in and stuff like that before I, I got into ministry, you would not have referred to me as a people person. And truthfully, on some days, you still might not if you spent time with me. Sorry. I'm, I'm willing to admit that about myself. Are you willing to admit whatever it is that you're carrying around them? Because we all have to be. We, we all have to be able... You, you, uh, there's programs that say you, before you can move past something, you have to admit that it exists, right? In case you're wondering, I do love each and every one of you. But, but what I'm saying is my nature, my, my natural self, it's not natural to me to run towards the big crowd. It's natural to me to run away from the big crowd. But see, God can use anybody to be a playmaker. Amen? There's another verse where Rahab gets mentioned. One more. Uh, Here's a cool fun fact. Uh, Rahab gets mentioned three times in the New Testament, which is one more time than the guy that wrote the book that we very first learned about her. Joshua only got mentioned twice in the whole New Testament. Rahab got mentioned more than the guy that the entire book was about where we first meet her. And she gets mentioned in a very important place in Scripture. It's a very important lineage or family tree, if you will. We read again, uh, uh, the third place where Rahab's listed is in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. It's a very important family tree. I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, In verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Simon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Here's what's cool about this, right? So this family tree goes on to include some very famous people in the Bible. King David. Rahab was King David, a man after God's own heart, the first king that ruled the entire nation and brought all of Israel together as one after the initial conflict. Rahab was his great-grandmother. You know, Rahab didn't even start off as a Jew. Remember that, right? She wasn't even one of God's chosen people. God still used her in spite of all of that and in spite of her path. Uh, David's son, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Those two alone would be huge. But here's where it gets extremely interesting. The family family tree keeps going beyond David, beyond Solomon. If that weren't enough, this is what the family tree closed with, and it's not in your program because I wanted you to listen very intently when I read this. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. When Rahab let those spies in, do you think she knew what her family tree would grow into? I have a clue. I would say that her family tree was pretty important since it led to the man who who would give each and every one of us the opportunity to have eternal life and have everything we've ever done wrong, every mistake that we've ever not been able to move past on our own. Because of Rahab, the lineage of the Savior of the world was preserved through a non-Jew. Look, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he had Rahab's blood, the blood of a prostitute, pouring out of him to forgive our sins. How amazing is that? Rahab was Jesus' 
great times 27, grandma. Even in the New Testament, after she was dead and gone, we read in, in, in Hebrews and in James, she was still called a prostitute. But did you see that? Let's look at that one more time. Let's look at that one more time. Simon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, period. You see, when she was identified, when she was identified, when she was connected, when she was mentioned in the same breath, in the same chapter as Jesus Christ, when she identified with Jesus, she's just Rahab. The past, is, the old is gone. Everything, the baggage she had been lugging around is gone. She's just Rahab. You can leave here today and leave the baggage behind you if you have not already made that decision. You know, the funny thing, the funny thing is the qualifier, the label of prostitute, of, of failure, of all of those things, of, 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 of addict, of, of, of bad mom, bad dad, anything like that, whatever the label could be today can get peeled off. The same way Rahab's did. When we identify, when we connect with the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, all of that's gone. It doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, the only thing that will matter about any of our lives, a thousand, five hundred, maybe even just a couple dozen years from now, the only thing that will matter is whether or not we were identified with Jesus. I'll give you one more next step. And again, I just ask that you'll check this box. If this is you, if you would say today, Chris, I've never truly identified with Jesus Christ. Chris, I want him in my life. Chris, I want my past to be gone. I want the old to be gone so the new can come and I can thrive. I can live a life. I can be a playmaker. If, if you feel that way today, if you say that, I would just ask you, I'm going to close in prayer and you can just pray along with what I say. You can also pray the prayer that's in your program if you'd rather do that. But, but here's what I ask. I ask that you turn over your connection card and you check that box that says, I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. And here's why I asked you to do that. I want to pray for you this week. I'm not going to hassle you or anything like that. I want to pray for you this week. Let's pray. Lord, know that I've got mistakes in my life. I know that I have a past. I know that I have baggage. And God, I ask you today to come into my life. Forgive my sins. Forgive my mistakes. And, and, and help me to live your way. Do things your way. Be a playmaker in your kingdom. Help me, God, to do things in my life and to live a life that ultimately honors you. Thank you so much. I love you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.